Good morning, everybody. It's great to be with you this morning and uh, to have the opportunity to share. Um, I'm excited to be here. I told the people this morning, some of the leaders, that when I first got here, I was pleasantly surprised. It was warm and sunny. And so when I woke up this morning, I said, mm, I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm in town now. It's, it's a little chilly out there, but it's great, a great honor to be, be here and to share with you uh, concerning core values. If you are a visitor or if this is your first time, I just want you to know that if I were looking for a church, I would want to know their vision statement their mission statement, and their core values. And really, if you're looking for a church, it's good for you to be here. And uh, I'm going to start this series off, and that is my assignment. We are a people who cannot be broken, uh, core value number one. And uh, I speak to you as a congregation. If you're a visitor or a member, you may not start here, but it's a good thing to know why this church does what it does and how it does it. And that's a core value. Core values are essential to our lives. It's essential to a corporation. It's essential for the body of Christ and for a local church. And so uh, I honor the Maliks and their lives and their friendship over the years and for the work that they're doing in this season. The last several years, there's been a lot of changes around here, and change is good. Can I get an amen? Most people don't like change. They want same old, same old. But that's called, that's the definition called boring. And uh, so anything that's growing is changing. And uh, this church is growing and changing and it's positioning itself to reach people. I bring you greetings from Tulsa where we're, we're trying to do the same, reach people. We, we call ourselves, we reach the lost and the found. You know, it's important to reach the lost. And it's important to reach the found. The found need to grow and the lost need to come. And so uh, it's, it's been a blessing over the years to watch what God's been doing in Tulsa and to be a part of it. And uh, this actually is my 48th year of full-time ministry. Um, somebody's trying to multiply. I was five when I started. And, uh, but I, I'm thrilled to be a part of it and, uh, and to enjoy uh, what many people call legacy. Legacy is passing it on. Amen. And so and any corporation has to learn how to pass it on. It's called succession in, in the world terms. And it becomes important. So eight years ago, I turned the church over to a young man who was 28 years old. And some people thought he was too young. And they said, I can't follow that young man. And I said, well, were you ever young? You know, and they said, well, yes. I said, were you not capable of living and leading at that age? And, and so it takes generations to lead new generations. And we need people that can reach the old and the young. See, my amens are going to increase as we go along, but they low right now. But it, it, takes, it takes generations to reach generations. And so... Uh, people say, how did we grow? Because we've grown just slightly over the years, and uh, we're a fairly large church. And people said, how did you grow? I said, we reached a generation that nobody was reaching. 
And at that time, they were called millennials. And millennials, according to George Barna, were not, were not in the church. They didn't feel like the church related to them. And so we started reaching millennials by the hundreds and then by the thousands and now by the nations. And uh, we're blessed to be able to, to be in 170 nations every Sunday morning. And uh, we're just watching God do great things. And so it takes a church that's changing. And so I appreciate this church as I've watched it over the years make necessary changes to continue to reach people. And so this morning we're going to start uh, with core value number one. And I'm going to move right along. I have, I have a lot of notes because this was not a sermon that I've ever preached before. This was, this was given to me by the Malik so that we could stay with the core values that will be for the next 11 weeks after this morning so that you'll know why you do what you do and how you do it. And core values are essential, but they're only essential when they become our culture. In other words, these, these are not nice things that we say. These are things that we live. This is how we live. And so when you live the core values, they become the culture of the church. They become a natural uh, interaction of the church because we have bought into the culture of our church. And it doesn't mean that if you're an introvert, you have to become an extrovert. Or if you're an extrovert, you have to become an introvert. It means that we just operate according to these principles. I mean, no, kindness is a nice word. But an introvert can be kind and an extrovert can be kind. It's just that we need to be a kind people. You understand? So that's, that, that's kind of just the, the premise of which I want to operate. So we are a people that cannot be broken. Now, the understanding is, of course, that, that God likes a contrite heart. So that's, that's a, a spiritual concept of brokenness, but that's not what we're talking about today. We are a people that cannot be broken, is that we are a people that, that are unified together. We are a people. And that's my point number one. We are a people. So when you become a people or a people of God, it means that we have joined our lives together for the sake of the gospel. That's, that's the local church. Man did not create church. God created church. Many call the birth of the church on the day of Pentecost. But it's the gathering of the saints, the ecclesia, the called out ones. And by the way, called out ones means we're called out from the world but we're, not called, but we're called back into the world as a part of our purpose. So just because we're called out ones don't mean that we, we come out from the world and we don't associate with the world because then we can't fulfill our, our purpose in the world. Our purpose in the world is to reach the world, but we have to be called out and joined together so that we can be effective in reaching the world. Does that make sense? So you, you can only be as effective as the people you become. And so when we say we are a people, it just means that. We are a people. We, we have joined our lives together in a local church for the sake of building relationships that make us better than we are separately. We are a people. Say, we are a people. Yeah. Psalms 133 says this, how good and how pleasant it is. And we got to stop there because that, God's saying something here. How good and how pleasant it is. It's good and pleasant. 
It's when, when God's people live together in unity. When God's people learn how to live together in unity, God calls it good. How many know when God calls something good, it's really good? He just doesn't mince words. It, it just means it's really good. When people live together in unity. And it is pleasant. I don't know about you, but the older I get, I want to enjoy life. Right? I want to be around pleasant people. And so the body of Christ should be that. It should not be a spiritual war zone with each other. Amen. And I know that's not true here. You know, you all have reached a level of perfection. <clears throat> Moving right along. How good and how pleasant it is when people live together in unity, which means they live all together as a unit. We, we've learned how to live and intersect our lives with one another. It's interesting that the similar concept is used in, in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. It said, when they were all gathered together in one place in one accord. That's the same basic concept. On the day of Pentecost, they all came into one place. We're in one place. And the Bible says they were in one accord. And when you get in accord with each other, by the way, that's not a Honda, but when you get in, sorry, sorry about that. When you get in place in, in one accord, something begins to happen. If you want a move of God, and a move of God means that God comes in the presence of a group of people and our lives are all changed. I don't know about you, but I don't have time to waste time. The older you get, the more you value time. So I want to be changed. If I'm coming to church, I plan to walk in those doors and be changed. That's why I, some people say, well, I don't come to worship. I just want the word. I said, that's selfish. What God gets out of the most out of the, out of the service is our worship. We're never going to give him revelation by us preaching the word. He's already got it, right? That what he gets is our worship. And so our worship is our preparation to receive from the word something that will change us so that when I leave, I leave differently than I came. Because I'm not going to waste time. So I'm going to get something. Somebody say, yeah, but some places you just don't get anything. That's because you don't want anything. I've gone to places where it's very ethereal, it's very ecclesiastical, it's very, it's very different. I've gone into Catholic churches. But when I went, I said, if I'm going to spend an hour... I'm going to get something that's going to change me. And if you're open and receptive, you'll grab something that will change you, even though it may not be the way you like to worship or the way you like to serve God in that, in that, that format. But, but I'm going to get something that's going to change me because I'm not going to waste time. So he says, how good and how pleasant it is when you live together in unity. So if you want to move a God, you got to get into unity. It is the premise of, of a move of God. A move of God takes prayer, it takes fasting, it takes preparation, it takes, you know, all of that. I understand all of that. But if you can't come together in unity, don't expect God to move. So that means we need to lay down all of our likes, our dislikes, everything that we, we see, we don't see. We, we can't sit around and judge people or, or say, well, I, I don't like them or this. We come together in unity. In fact, you demonstrate your love for God by your love for your brothers and sisters. It's hard to say I love God and hate your brother. It doesn't work. 
That's the scripture. So we have to come together in unity. It's like the precious oil poured on the head, running down the beard, running down Aaron's beard, down to the skirts of his garment. He's giving us a picture because Hebrew thought is, the Hebrew language is a pictorial language. It paints a picture. And so the picture is, is that, that Mount Hermon, there's, there's oil that comes on, on the head of Aaron, runs down his garment to the skirts of his garment. Oil always flows down. And so if you want to be receptive of the oil or the anointing of God, you come into proper alignment. And then it says it's like the dew of Hermon falling down on Zion. It's interesting because the, the, the natural thought is Hermon and Zion must be together. And so the, the, the dew comes down Hermon and then goes down to Mount Zion. But that's not true. If I have the map, if you have that map, can you put it up? Mount Hermon is way in the northern part. Zion is in the southern part. In between them, there's the Sea of Galilee. There's the Jordan River and the Dead Sea. So the, the dew of Hermon starts in the north and goes all the way to the south. In other words, it starts at the top and comes down to the bottom. The blessing always flows. The anointing always flows. And he said, when you come together in unity, there the anointing will flow. There's where things happen. In other words, it doesn't just happen because we preach the word. It happens before service. It happens while we're talking and mingling. It happens when we're worshiping together. It happens after service. It might happen in the parking lot when you're going out to your car. Why? Because there's an anointing because we have become a people. When you become a people, God bestows his blessing. And the word bestow actually means commands. I don't know about you, but when you give your child a command, there's not too many options. When you say sit down, you mean sit down. You don't mean think about it. You don't mean walk around and if you, have, if you like it, you can come back and sit down. When you say sit down, it means sit down. It was a command. He said when certain things happen and you come together as a unified people and you become a people, there the command of God will bestow a blessing. I'm, I've been blessed over the years of my life by many people with many things. But when God blesses you, you are blessed. There, there, there's no question about it. When God bestows a blessing, he commands a blessing on your life or on the life of a church, something is about to happen. And, and so we are a people is, is all about God bestowing his blessing upon us. There, something's going to happen and people are going to be changed. It doesn't mean there has to be emotion. It doesn't mean there has to be a lack of emotion. It just means that God's going to step into a place that when we've joined our lives together and not just go to church. There's a difference between going to church and becoming a people. You understand? So, so when we become a people, we're joined together. Well, I'm not really a relationship guy. I know, but that's life. That's life. You can't resist it. 
You may not be really good at relationship. You might not have a big personality. Hi, everybody. Welcome. So good to meet you. That's not you. But it doesn't mean you should resist relationships. They're essential for you growing in God. We are a people. We are a people. We're a people who love God. We're a people who love people. And we're people that love the church. God's institution of gathering. The called out ones. So we love God. We love people. We love the church. That's essential. If you want to be a people, you love God, you love people, and you love the church. Not because, not because it's a building. It's, it's more than a building. It's a gathering. Well, I'm going to church. Sometimes that means you're going to a building. But I'm going to be with my brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm joining my life with my brothers and sisters in Christ this morning. And I don't know about you, but I'm going to be changed. I'm going to be changed. I will not waste an hour, hour and a half, two hours by going and sitting and listening and then getting up and leaving. I'm going to go get something and it's going to help me and it's going to change my life. Because we are a people. We are a people. You must become a people if you want to move a God. We're a people. We are a people. We are a people. We, we join ourselves together in a place called refuge. Refuge is a safe place. It's a place of healing. It's a place of restoring. It's a place of, of, of coming together that, that makes sense. We're, we're not a judgmental people. How, I, we don't like the way you look or we don't like the way you dress. You can come here. The vision statement says that. We, everybody can belong here. We love all people. We love all people. All people means all. All means all. Well, what do you mean by all? All. Everybody. What do you mean by everybody? Everybody means everybody. It excludes no one. That is our purpose. That is our vision. And when we do that, we become a people. A people. We join our lives together to become a people. We are a people. That's why Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and life more abundant. Because he says, there the blessing comes, even life evermore. Even life evermore. That means life and life more abundant. I've come that you might have life and life more abundant. I don't know about you. Life's good, right? Life has ups and downs. Sometimes life is good. Sometimes life isn't so good. But it's still life, and I'm appreciated. Amen? I woke up this morning. I felt very blessed. Amen? Some people didn't wake up this morning. I woke up this morning. I felt blessed. Amen? I had a few aches and pains, but I still felt blessed. That happens when you hit 72. Somebody said, what's a good morning? I said, waking up with no pain is a good morning, you know. But, but I feel blessed. I feel blessed. And so, but I want life and life more abundant. I want, I want the, the full life that only God can give. And he gives that by us becoming a people. I bestow my blessing there. Secondly, it says, we are a people that cannot be broken. We are a people that cannot be broken. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says this. 
Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves, but a cord of three strands is not easily broken. One has a problem. They can be overpowered. Two can defend each other, but a threefold cord is not easily broken. I thought it was interesting, so I did a little research on it. And I found that a threefold cord is not three times stronger than a onefold cord. A threefold cord is ten times stronger than a onefold cord. In other words, it's multiplied. It's multiplied. Again, he's talking about the value of not being broken. We break by getting strength. One cord can easily be broken. Two cords can make it through some stuff. But a threefold cord is not easily broken. You have to learn how to make sure that you are not broken. In other words, broken away from what is giving to your life. How do things like that happen? How do, how do we get easily broken? It's because we don't understand the concept because there are, there are church hoppers. Excuse me, I don't, I don't believe anybody here is a church hopper, but I've known many over the years. They just hop. That means they go to church for a while and then they figure out that church isn't perfect. And so they go to another church. And then they find out that one's not perfect either. And then they go to another church and it's not perfect either. And they don't get the, the, even if you found a perfect church and you went there, it wouldn't be perfect anymore. <laughs> there's no such thing as a perfect church. There's, there's a thing called progressing. I, perfection, I don't know how to get there. But progression, I know how to keep going. And we, we stay in it and we work in it and we make sure that we don't easily break off. We're not easily broken. We cannot be broken because we're joined together. We're joined together. It becomes essential that you understand that we are joined together. We walk together. We don't base our unity on circumstances. We don't base our unity on perfection. We don't base our unity on somebody's faults or mistake or even somebody's gift. We're together because God called us together. And we are a people, and therefore, when we tie ourselves and intertwine our lives, our gifts, our talents, our personalities, when we tie them all together, we're much stronger together than we ever would be separately. That's what a church needs to be. That's why the church is all about developing relationships. And in those relationships, I think I have some slides if you can help me. We never practiced this morning, so thank you, ladies, for all your hard work. But um, when you become aligned with people, things begin to take place. It's called alignment, right? You can be in agreement but not be in alignment. You have to learn what it takes to be in alignment with each other. Um, if, you, if you drive a car, how many know after a while you can figure out it's out of alignment? You know why? 
because it's pulling you off course. Have you noticed that? Sometimes you don't notice it and you pay the price for it. Anybody ever paid the price for it? What is that? That means your tires wear out four and five times faster because they're pulling against the direction you're going. And so they wear out. It means all kinds of things. It means, it means tie rods can, can be affected. Rack and pinion can be affected. I'm, I'm not a, a mechanic, but, but struts can be affected, shocks can be affected, ball joints, bushings. All of these are part of alignment. So, you know, well, I, I, just, I just don't feel like I can walk with my brothers and sisters. Well, you're out of alignment. You're pulling against the direction that God has for it. That's why a church should have a mission statement. That's why it should have a vision statement. That's why this church does. So you know where it's going so we can go there together. Because if you get out of alignment, you're pulling against the grain. You can get off course very easily. It becomes essential that you understand the power of alignment. Your chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Look at your neighbor and say, you really are peculiar. Be nice when you say it. Be nice when you say it. It doesn't mean you're bad. It's just that you're different. Anybody married to some, your opposite? 70, 80% of, of marriages, you've married your opposite. You're just different from each other. But that's what makes you exciting. That's what makes you powerful. Because where you're weak, they're strong. And where they're strong, you're weak. And together you can do far greater. It doesn't have to be this. It can be this. You're joining your lives together. You come into alignment with each other. And you make things happen. I'm not going to go through some of those slides. But, but it becomes important that you understand the power of alignment. Say, so what gets a car out of alignment? Usually potholes. So we call those sin, right? Potholes are a horrible thing. They can mess your alignment up. They can mess your tires up. I hit one time, and I was driving a Mercedes at the time, and it, broke, it, it dented the rim, and it destroyed it, cracked the rim. I don't know how much it was, but it was absurdly crazy. You know, just one little pothole. But you stay away from things that can injure, injure the alignment, and keep yourself on the straight and narrow. So you have to get a threefold cord. It's not easily broken. It's not easily broken. That means that you, you and your spouse are a twofold cord. And you, when you add God to the equation, you're a threefold cord. Right? It means your children and you and God are a threefold cord. Do you understand? It means you and your pastor and God are a threefold cord. It's not easily broken. It's not easily broken. Once you add God to the equation, that threefold cord is not going to be broken unless you allow it to be broken. It becomes essential that you understand that a threefold cord is not easily broken. And so when that happens, you come into agreement. We are a people who cannot be broken. And that concept in the scripture, 
I won't, I won't take a lot of time, but that concept in the scripture is the concept of covenant. That's the word that, the, that God uses. God is a covenant God. When he makes covenant with you, it means that he's in it from the long haul. You're up and down, in and out and all over. He loved you then, he loved you then, he loved you then, he loved you then, he loves you now. Only a covenant God could do that. So when we come into covenant relationship with God, he teaches us how to come into covenant relationship with each other. And so a covenant relationship is a marriage. We're in covenant together. Sometimes it's not all cool. Sometimes it's not easy. Somebody said, well, it's two lives merging together, and sometimes it's two histories colliding together. But we can make it work. Because if we've made a covenant with each other before God, we walk it out. We make this thing work. That's the highest. And I I know there are exceptions to the rule, but I'm not here to discuss that this morning. But we're in covenant with each other. It's a covenant relationship. Because covenant means we love. Covenant means we forgive. That's a hard one, right? I, I, I was talking to a man one time. He said, I've never asked for forgiveness. I said, then you're not a man. A real man knows when they're wrong and asks for forgiveness. We have to be a forgiving people. That's the only way you can live life and have any kind of blessing on your life is to learn how to forgive. Why? Because the church is made up of people. And people have problems. And people make mistakes. People aren't perfect and neither are you. And therefore, we learn to forgive each other. How many times do I need to forgive? Well, the scripture says 70 times, seven times 70. It doesn't mean for, at 491, you don't have to forgive anymore. It, the, concept, the concept is, is that you will live a life of forgiveness. That's how we maintain unity. They shouldn't have said that. You're right. They shouldn't have said it. They said it. And I'm sure they're sorry, and I hope they ask you to forgive them, and if they don't, forgive them anyways. I had a person that did me really, really wrong. A pastor? Yeah, really wrong. And I forgave them. And about three or four years later, they said, will you forgive me? I said, I did that three or four years ago. You know, I I don't know if I want to go out to lunch with you right now. But I did forgive you, and we can rebuild from there. Forgiveness is always a starting point to move forward. You have to learn how to forgive. You have to learn how to support. Support each other. It's a part of being a people of God. Support each other. It's it's essential that we support each other. It's not always about me. It's about us. And us can always do greater than me. Or you, it's us together. We, be, we become a part of each other. That's why the scripture uses the anatomy of our bodies to talk about the body of Christ. It's hand and feet and arms and legs and heads. and It's, it's, it's the anatomy. He said, this is a picture of the body of Christ. Not everybody's a hand. Not everybody's a foot. But together we can make this thing work. Because we have to join ourselves together. If I, if I took my hand off and laid it on this table, it doesn't mean it's a hand because it's not even working. And can never work because it's not connected. 
the power of individuals is connection. That's why we become a people, a people that are connected with one another so that we can do the work that we're called to do as a body. And that's why we have a mission statement, a vision statement, and that's why we have core values. Core values mean we're not going to break easy. In fact, we don't plan on being broken. I don't plan on, on going to another church next week and then six months later go to another church and another church. I'm going I'm to walk this thing out. We're going to work this out. Is this a perfect place? No. Neither is a place down the street, neither is a place there, neither is a place in Tulsa. No, there's no such thing as a perfect church because it's made up of people. If it was just made up of God all by himself, it would call it perfect church. But when people come, it's not a perfect situation. But we can build together. Can I get an amen? amen? We have to build together. So it's not based on circumstances or gifts or faults or mistakes. It's based on covenant. We're in covenant. Covenant people heal. We heal. You don't run to people to get people on your side. We heal. We work it out. You got ought against your brother, you go to them. Even if you're worshiping, you leave your gift at the altar and go work it out. Well, I'm at the altar, man. We, nothing more important than that. You have a broken relationship. That's more important. God said, you can come back here, but come back here whole because right now you've, you've broken a, a strand of your threefold cord. Don't do it. Adults work things out. Maybe you were raised in a family where you just kept quiet. You didn't work things out. You were broken. You were raised in a broken environment. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. We work things out. Even if they don't accept your apology, you need it for yourself. Yeah, I went, and they just said, I don't need to forgive you, but you, got, but you forgave. You're free. They're bound. The thing that you think you're rid of is the thing that, is the thing that owns you. The problem happened, and now you're not going to make it right. Bless God, I'm just going to continue to move on. You're moving on with the problem because it still owns you. So what do you do? You forgive, and you heal, and you heal the wounds. That's what a maturing body that is a people of God do. And when you do that, God comes in your midst. The anointing comes in your midst. Lives are healed and delivered. People are coming and getting saved and giving their lives to Christ. Things are happening all the time because the life of God is in your midst because you are a people that cannot be broken. That cannot be broken. So what do we do if somebody breaks? Because that may happen. I hope not, but it just may happen. What do we do if someone breaks? First of all, we love. We love. We're people of love. For God so loved the world that he gave. If the love of God's not shed abroad in our hearts, we can't call ourselves people of God. Because we can't love the unlovable without the love of God. We cannot love our enemies without the love of God. It's all the love of God. And God so loved you that he forgave you before you even repented. It just, but it took your repentance for that connection to take place. And so God loves us. We love people. 
So if somebody breaks, we love them. Yeah, they need to go. Really? Are you sure? Or did they need to heal and take care of stuff that wasn't right? We love them because that's what the church does. The church is full of love. So we love each other. And we love the people that are around us. And if somebody breaks, we love them. Remember, remember the story of, of Jesus as the good shepherd? And one, one sheep leave the 99? God's not so busy with the 99 that he doesn't care about the one. The Bible says he leaves the 99 and goes after the one until he finds them. That's the love of God. That's the love of God. The, the Good Samaritan is all about the father's heart for a, for a son that's broken. The son that was broken took his inheritance and went in wild living and did all kinds of crazy stuff and spent all his father's money, spent all his inheritance. It was absurd. It was crazy. And yet the father every day was on the front porch looking for his son saying, maybe this is the day that he'll return. His love was extended, reaching for his son when his son was in a hog pen feeding the sheep and wanting to eat what they were eating. That's pretty low. Amen. That's pretty bad. But the father was, love was reaching and reaching. And he said, how in my father's house there's more than enough? I'll go and tell him I'm not worthy. Just make me a hired servant. And yet that never happened. When the son was afar off, the love of God reached out to him and the love of the father reached out to him and the father ran out to greet him. He didn't wait for the son to come and wallow in the mud and say, God, father, I messed up. I'm no good. I, I spent all your money. I... No, the father ran out, grabbed that boy, hugged him put his robe on him. Why was that important? Because they had to walk through the city. And one of the, the, the situations that could have happened is that when a son disrespects his father at le that level, they could stone the person. It wasn't law or Bible, but that was just many things that would happen like that. And so the father didn't want it to happen. So when he reached the son, he put his robe on him. Once he put his robe on him, he was covered by the father. Do you see the picture? Once God puts his robe of righteousness on you, you're covered by the father. And he walked that boy back, put shoes on his feet because slaves went without shoes. He put a ring representing his authority on his finger. And he says, you're, you're reestablished in our home. By the way, there were two, there were two prodigals. The prodigal son and the prodigal brother. The prodigal brother was, was prodigal too. You know why? Because he was at home, but he was still lost. Father, why would you do this for this guy? He spent all his money in horrible, riotous living. I've never even asked you for, a, for, for my friends to come over and have a barbecue, and you gave this boy a barbecue. And the father said, all I have is yours. Do you understand that when the son took, the younger son took half of his inheritance, all that was left was the older son's thing. So he had everything. And yet he didn't understand he had anything. Both were prodigals. Both needed the father's love. You got to come back. Love. 
Secondly, there has to be a reach. There's somebody broken, there has to be a reach. That was what the father was doing. He was reaching for his son by his prayers, by his concern, by his love. And when, the, when he got in view of the son, he reached out and grabbed him, put his arms around him. There's got to be a reach in us, folks. There's got to be a reach in our lives. I haven't seen so-and-so in two or three weeks. Have you thought about reaching out? I don't know, maybe they're hurting. Maybe they're depressed. Maybe they're mad about something. I don't know. Well, somebody needs to reach out. You do. Why did they come to your mind? Because God put them there on your mind. There's got to be a reach in you. I, I just don't know what to say. Love them. Miss you. Miss seeing you. You're important to us. You're important to God. Just want you to know I'm keeping you in my prayers. But anything I can do, let me know. There's got to be a reach. There has to be a reach. There's people in your life that you're called to reach. They're all around you. And your influence is there. It's a, it's a relative, it's a friend, it's a neighbor, it's a coworker. Who is it that you're called to reach? Broken people need a reach. If anybody from this fellowship breaks off, there's got to be love, there's got to be reach, and there's got to be healing. Healing is important. Heal the wound. It's a wound. Somebody said something. Somebody did something. They don't even know they did it. And there's a bleeding wound that isn't healed. Pour in the oil. Pour in the oil. I just, I don't operate at that level. Oh, yes, you can. Just pour in the oil. Pour in the oil into that wound. I don't understand it. I don't even know why they said it. Probably shouldn't have said it. Maybe they were hurting too. Maybe they were going through something. You ever this story of a woman that got on a bus and she had two children and the children were just out of control. She did her best to try to get them in control, but they were just out of control. And the neighbors were starting to get a little uptight about it and they looked at her and said, ma'am, What's going on? Your children are out of control. Get control of your children. And she said, I'm so sorry, but we just came from the hospital and they lost their father. Sometimes you don't know what people are going through and why they're acting the way they're acting. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Pour in some oil, some healing. And then lastly, somebody breaks, restore. If God is not a God of restoration, we're all in trouble. We're all in trouble. He's a God of restoration. Our pastor, a year ago, we were at a staff advance and, and, he, and God spoke to him and he said, I want you to restore broken ministers. Pastor Michael Todd has huge reach all over the world and he gets calls from ministers all the time and God said I want you to reach broken pastors and all he knew is to say okay God you're going to have to lead me in this 
And do you know, all of a sudden, the pastor started calling. He started reaching out and praying for him. And he, he, went, drove, he flew to Dallas and met with the pastor and prayed over him with another one of his friends. And, and a pastor recently came to the church that was a well-known pastor. And the Lord said, this is your test. I want to restore him. See, we don't know how to restore people. We know how to judge people. We know how to criticize people. We know how to kick people out. But we don't know how to restore people. If somebody breaks, bring them back to restoration. Say, you know what? I want to come pick you up and bring you to church. And I want you to sit with me. And afterwards, we're going to go out to dinner together. Part, be part of the restoration. Why? Because we are a people that cannot be broken. We are refuge. If refuge is not a refuge, we can't be a refuge. We are a people that cannot be broken. We don't break. We don't break because if you break, we're, I'm going to love you. I'm going to reach out to you. I'm going to heal you. I'm going to restore you. Even if you don't come back to church, I'm going to do all of that because we were connected and at least had a little bit of relationship. That's what we do. That's the heart of God. And you know, when we, this pastor and his two children and his wife moved to Tulsa, I mean, news stations, People everywhere started calling. They went crazy. And, and we took a huge, huge hit as a result of it. And we're spending lots of money. And he's in two and a half years of rehabilitation right now. And he's still in rehabilitation, still meets with his counselor every two times a week, every week. And God's restoring their lives. Michael said, what do I do? I said, you better obey God. God said, I'm going to use you to restore pastors. That's what we're to do. And we can't worry about everybody else that may be judging or may have been hurt by him. I don't know. All we have to do is do what God says. So we are a people who cannot be broken, who cannot be broken. We refuse to be broken because we are a people of God. We are refuge. We are refuge. That's who we are. And that's where we go. And if we can't be a safe place, a place that takes people that, that may not look like us, dress like us, smell like us, I don't know. But if we're not a refuge, then who is? We are a people that cannot, will not be broken. We refuse to do that. If I got problems, I'm going to work through them. If I, you know, we, if, if, if I can't work through them, then I may need to go to the pastor, but, but, I, but we're, we're going to work through them. I'm an adult. I, I know some Bible. I'm an adult, so I'm going to take the initiative and work through it and make sure that relationship's Okay. Because as long as that relationship is not okay, I can't fully function the way I'm supposed to. Because we are a people. And a people that aren't together are broken. 
And you can't be in the midst of a people and be broken and then leave a people and break. We are people that cannot be broken. That's what we do. That's what we do. I don't like that. We'll figure out why it was done. See if you can figure out some reasons why it's important. Rather than jumping to conclusions and then running down the road with your problems. That's what I, I see that all over the country. I work with churches. That's what I do for a living. I ask God about it and ask him if he'd be willing to change his mind and he, he wouldn't talk back. When God doesn't talk back, he, that means I'm not talking. I already told you. But I've been a few places where that people worked out every situation. They refused to be broken. They knitted their lives together. They built relationships. Not every relationship's going to be a nine out of ten, but, but we're together. We know each other. We call each other by name. You know, we pray for each other and so on. So we just do our best to stay one. Father, I pray that they, Father, may be one as you and I are one. That was the biggest prayer Jesus ever prayed was, Father, before I leave this earth, I'm asking you, let them be one as you and I are one. They weren't in competition. Jesus and the Father were not in competition. Even when Jesus was taking all the attention on earth, they weren't in competition. They were unified. They were in one. They were one. And he said, Father, I just want to pray one thing. Help them to understand the power of one. We are a people that cannot be broken. Perhaps this one core value is the foundation of all the other core values that you're going to hear in the next 11 weeks. And I pray that you get a hold of these core values. Let them be a part of your life until it becomes the culture in this place. And when you do, hundreds, hear me, I'm prophesying, hundreds will come. Not because of the music, not because of the preaching, not because of the building, not because of the parking lot, but because there's a sense of His presence in your gathering. And they're hearing about it, and they're coming as a result of it. That's the heart of the Father. We are a people that cannot be broken. Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning. In my brief sharing, I pray that somehow a light came on. A revelation was received. A truth was birthed in somebody's heart. God, I pray that unity be established because we want to see a move of God. We want to see you move in our midst, Lord. We want to see you do miracles. We want to see lives change. We want to see situations turned around. We We want to see things happen that only you can do, God. Don't let us be a hindrance to that our relationship one with another but maybe we'd be in one place in one accord 
and there by your spirit you will come and you will move in our midst mighty things will be stirring Lord I believe before it's over miracles will begin to take place not because we have a healing service at the end but because healing is in the parking lot when people are driving on healing is in the lobby before church begins healing is in the sanctuary before the service begins healing is in the parking lot on the way out healing is in our homes in our lives and on our jobs I thank you God build us together as a people a people of God thank you for refuge thank you for what you've done thank you for what you're doing and thank you for the days ahead great days are ahead for this place and we'll give you the praise and honor and glory for it with every head bowed every eye closed if you're here this morning you might not be a member you might be a member you might be a visitor if you're a visitor I encourage you to come back and hear the pastor next week but you're here and you'd say you know never heard things like that being so personal but maybe I need to get my life right first maybe I need a better connection with God himself maybe Jesus doesn't rule in my heart maybe I need to give him fully my life so this morning if you're here just with every head bowed, every eye closed, you're here and you say, that's me. Pastor, would you just pray for me before we end the service? I want to pray for you. If there's anybody here, you need to really make it right with God. You may have known God. You may have been raised in the church, but somehow you've wandered away from God. Today, you need to say, you know what? I need to make it right. I need to recommit, rededicate my life to Christ. Is there anybody here? You just lift your hand. Let me see it. And you can put it back down anybody at all that I need to pray anybody at all I want to make sure that we're all right anybody that needs to make a recommitment of your life to Christ you're just kind of out there and you love God but you're just not fully living for him you need to make it right is there anybody at all here I just want to make sure everybody's in right relationship this morning anybody at all Father I thank you this morning for this church. I thank you for what you've done. I thank you for what you're doing right now. And I thank you for every core value. Eleven more to come, Lord, that's going to set in motion the culture of this church in such a way that will be known all over the city and all over the surrounding area that people will come from near and far because of what's happening in our midst. We vow to give you all the praise and honor and glory for it. Come on, say, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's worship the Lord.